What is up, party people? Man, I am so glad to be back. I really am. Um, I guess I need to introduce myself to everybody. Um, hi, my name is Craig, and my wife Patty and I get to pastor this amazing church, and uh, this is the best church on the planet. It is, it is. If you don't believe me, go somewhere, visit, come back. You'll come back. Um, great place, great place. I love it. And I, am I partial? Yes, I'm partial because, well, I'm the pastor. Um, but uh, let, let me say this. Uh, thank you so much for, number one, allowing me and Patty to be your pastors. I, I really do appreciate that. That takes an open heart on your part and a willingness. And then also, thank you so much for allowing me the, the bandwidth and the space to take time off. I, I really do appreciate that. I do need that. Um, it keeps me healthy. And you, trust me, you want a healthy pastor. You just, you want a healthy pastor. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Now, enough with all of that. We got a bunch of people watching online. Will you do me a favor? Will you put your hands together and help me welcome everybody watching on Facebook, YouTube, Church Online platform. We love you guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, with us. Hey, how many's glad school started? Yeah. Parents are like, see ya. I always laugh at when my kids were little, the, the parents that would take, if this is you, I'm sure there's some of you in here, and I, yeah, I am making fun of you. Um, you would, when you're like first grade, second grade, you walk, even though you did the parent night, you still walk them all the way into the class and like linger for a while that first day. You don't have to raise your hand. That was not me, man. I just pulled that car up. Kindergartner, just bye. <laughs> Call me, text me if you need something, okay? Yeah. Um, so I'm glad school started, not that I have any kids, they're all still at, they're all graduated and they all still at home. Welcome to Craig's world. It's great, it's great, it's great, it's great, it's great. So today we start a brand new series called Seven. Now, most of our topical series, they are four weeks long, and this one's going to be a little bit longer. Um, I bet you can guess, maybe you can guess how many weeks you think this series will be. Oh my gosh, no Horn Lakers in this place. You guys are great. Man, look at there. That was uh, just seven. Yeah, it's going to be seven weeks. And what we're doing is, just so you know, we're covering the seven I am statements of Jesus. Now, you might not even know that those exist. Um, they were on the Roland video. But in the book of John, Jesus says, I am seven times. And it's a descriptor. It's a name. It's things that he does and that he does. And so all of that to say, this series is going to be a really good series for you to bring people to um, because this series is all about Jesus. I, I mean, it's just, it, it's all about Jesus. And so I think a lot of times people do pushback from church and, and this world, right? This, all this stuff. Because there's so much confusion and misunderstanding about the Old Testament, and so people think, well, what, you know, what rules do I have to follow? What regulation? What is this? What is this? Well, this doesn't even make sense. What is this? And so this is one of those things where we're just moving past that. And Jesus' statement fixes all of it. So uh, I was watching. I didn't watch the whole thing because I got bored, actually. But there's a famous, he is famous still a lot, a famous atheist. And it was on YouTube, and he was debating a Christian. And like the very beginning, the, this atheist dude, and if I said his name, you'd know him, and I just don't want to give him any honor whatsoever. But anyway, um, he, he said that he said, 
how can you believe in a God that does this? And he pulled some random verse out of the Old Testament that made no sense whatsoever, right? Just pick it. And I watched this Christian guy struggle trying to answer, trying to figure out, and I'm just like screaming at my computer, no, don't take the bait. Don't do it. No, crawfish out of that bad boy. Moonwalk out of that uncomfortable situation. Don't do it. But so many people, they get sucked into this different Old Testament stuff, and they don't, they don't realize that Jesus, it's all about Jesus. You guys have not changed one bit, just not really in it, are you? That section, I tell you what, one day y'all are going to get saved, and you're going to like talk back to your pastor. How are you guys doing? You guys good? Yeah. Okay, anyway, uh, so... <laughs> So Jesus throws out these I am statements, and every single I am statement ties back to the Old Testament. This is hugely important. Ties back to the Old Testament, and what he's doing is he is debunking. It's not really debunking. He's turning the page, letting everybody know we don't live under this Old Testament anymore. With every single I am statement, Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of that. I am, I am that. I'm the one you've been praying for. I'm the one you've been looking for. I am Jesus Christ. And so this whole series is all about Jesus. And so bring somebody with you. I think it will be refreshing to them. Now, the I am thing, the, way, the place it first started, you guys know this, is at the, well, you, don't, you might not know it. I don't know. So there was this dude named Pharaoh and another dude named Moses. Anybody ever heard of Moses? Moses, Mo, thanks, guys. Moses, um, I love them. Um, Moses was a shepherd, and he's in the desert of Midian and all this stuff, and he's walking around, blah, 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 and he's been there for 40 years, and he sees this bush burning, and, but not being consumed, so he goes over, you guys probably know the story, he goes over and he sees the burning bush, but it's not burning, and God speaks, and so him and God have this conversation, and you can go back and read it, it's at the beginning of Exodus, and they go back and forth, and they talk, and all this, all this stuff, but basically God says, hey, Moses, I've chosen you, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to tell Pharaoh, go and his courts tell Pharaoh to release my people let my people go right because they had been in they had been in slavery for 400 years and so Moses they do all this talk but then Moses basically asks he says hey God I'm so paraphrasing this scripture he says hey God um listen I'll do I'll go do that that's cool and when I show up in Pharaoh's courts um Pharaoh's gonna ask who sent me because I'm just a shepherd so who do I tell him sent me like who's my authority Right, you want to know that. And so God answers Moses back. Look at this, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Go ahead, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am. Now, we kind of read over that. We don't really understand that. But you have to understand, this is God defining himself. This is God putting a name to himself, which this is the first time in the Bible where it's there. And so God establishes it. God the Father establishes it. And then Jesus comes along. Okay, let's, let, let, let's fast forward. A couple thousand years. And you got this man named Jesus walking the planet. Remember Jesus? I hope you do. You guys will meet him soon. Oh, not like that. I didn't mean like that. 
pastor be threatening us. Not even like that. Okay, so Jesus, fast forward 2,000 years, a couple thousand years, and Jesus is walking the planet. And Jesus, in John chapter 6, and I, I recommend you go home, read your Bible. John chapter 6, this whole chapter, I'm going to pull pieces out of it, but it's a whole story. It all goes together, and you should go home and read it. Read it with your kids. It's great. So Jesus, at the very beginning of the chapter, he takes... He's got 5,000 men, and there's women and children, so over 5,000 people, and he's got to feed them. And so he gets a, little, a couple little loaves and a couple little fish, and he breaks them and multiplies it. And you guys have probably heard of this miracle. And feeds, miraculously feeds all of these people, thousands of people from just like a little snack lunch. And so then Jesus does that, and then he disappears. He's gone, and the crowd tracks him down the next day. Like they find him. He went to a totally different city, totally different place. They track him down, and they come up to him, and what do you think they're going to ask him for? Free food, baby. Come on, who don't like free food? Man, there ain't nothing better than being in a restaurant, and the waiter comes over and says, sir, someone bought your meal. You're like, yeah, they did. Free food's good, right? And so all these people show back up. They track Jesus down, and they're like, hi, Jesus. Hi. Can I have some more, please? <laughs> Gov, can I have a little more bread? A little more bread. The bread was so good. It was like a sweet ciabatta roll, but different. I just love some more bread. And Jesus answers their question, but changes everything. Because that's you look at what Jesus said. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus replied. They're asking, they straight up, and go home and read it. They straight up want more bread. They want free food. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. He just flipped the script, didn't he? Now all of a sudden he's saying, listen, I'm not talking about something that's going to spoil or go bad. I'm talking about something that will never, ever perish and you will never be hungry in this instance again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And we read over that, okay, let's be honest, as wonderful Americans with all of our blessings, we read over that and you read it and you're going to go home and read it and I'm the bread of life and you're like, okay, yeah, 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 I like bread. Yeah, that's so cool. And I like Jesus and Jesus is like bready, so that's like a double bonus. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. It's just good. And you just keep reading. But you need to understand something. The people during this day and time that Jesus was specifically talking to understood that his statement was literally shaking the foundations of everything that they believed and where they worshiped, okay? Jesus, by saying, I am the bread of life, is saying, I am the Son of God. I am the one that will restore all the tribes and bring all the tribes of Israel back together. I am the one that is going to tear down all the dividing walls between all the different races and bring them all under one. I'm the one that's going to gather everybody all around, and I am everything. I am the bread of life. And we see this. They understood this at this time, but you don't understand it. We don't understand it. We read over it. They understood that everything he was saying was in, and he was talking about the tabernacle of Moses. The tabernacle of Moses is their church, okay? I mean, it was their church building. It's where they still worship during that day, that time when Jesus walked the planet. There was a tabernacle, church, we call it church, tabernacle, and this is what they would do. And so look at, look at this. Go ahead and throw that up there, Kelly. Wham! See that? Like perfect timing. 
Kelly, she cool like that. All right, so this is the tabernacle. If you don't know what this is, let me just walk through it real quick. They would start at the bottom, and this was, they would go to church, right? The priest would come in, and in the outer court right there, there's an altar of sacrifice. That's where they would sacrifice animals and whatnot. Take notes on this. Take notes on this. I'm telling you, this will change your life. This will change your life. Trust me, trust me. Altar of sacrifice. They sacrificed animals right there for sins, and they did that, and they did it over and over again because no sacrifice was complete enough to take away sin altogether. Okay, so it's constant, constantly. And then they would go to the laver or the bowl. There was a big giant bowl, okay? And that's where they would wash their hands because let's be honest, you need to clean up a little bit after you just killed an animal. Anybody ever gutted deer? Come on, anybody? It's Mississippi. Even the women should be like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. They'd clean up at the laver, and then they would go into the, the, the next section, and they would go to the table on the left, which was the menorah, which are those candles. And they would go there, and the priest would tend to the flame, and he would take care of that and, and all of that. And then he would go across to the table of showbread, and the, on the table of showbread was this. Check this out. See if this sounds familiar. On the table of showbread was a vessel filled with wine and 12 loaves of bread. Wine and bread. Does that sound like anything we t- partake of today? You know, we have communion, right? There were 12 loaves of bread. There was one loaf of bread for every single, representing every single tribe of Israel. In other words, there was provision for everybody, but there was still separation and division. Jesus comes along and he says, there ain't no more separation or division. I am everything, and there's only one loaf, and I am the bread of life. That's good stuff. Um, and then they would go up to the next thing, which would be the altar of incense, where they would burn incense and different things, and it would waft up. And then there was the Holy of Holies that they would only go in once a year. Um, and so that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Okay, so check this out. This gets me all fired up, can you tell? This is so exciting. Because Jesus says, you got to understand, when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, this is where they just went to church. And Jesus says, everything changes today. Everything. You can keep worshiping here if you want to, but you are no longer lining up with what God is doing because even this is a symbol of what Christ does in us. Check this out because this was the temple, but now the temple is us. So check this out. So at Jesus, what Jesus did, the altar of sacrifice, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. One sacrifice took away all the sins of the world. One complete. Jesus did it right there. And as a Christian, you receive that sacrifice. And the very next thing you do is you go to the labor. What is that? That's water baptism. That's your next step after you get saved. And then you go through and you go to the menorah. And what is that? That's the flickering flame, the lights. That's the Holy Spirit. That's why we should flow in the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It is part of our Christian walk. And then you go across across to the table of showbread. And what's there? Bread, wine, communion. We're in communion and fellowship. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm tearing down every single wall of separation. Everybody who feasts in me will never be hungry again because I'm going to blow their minds with a completely new life. And whew, still slow. You gotta be ready. Okay, okay. And then they go to the altar of incense, and what is that? The wafting up of the fragrance, our praise, our worship. We did that today. We come into church, and because of everything we've gone through and everything Jesus has done, we can't help but offer up an incense of praise and worship because it's the greatest thing ever. Jesus. So understand, Jesus is saying, listen, I am the bread of life. Everything you have been living points to me. Look, check, put this graphic up. Even the path that the priest would walk to go do all the things is in the shape of what? 
Everything God did in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of everything. So you can keep trying to hold on to some old shadow of something, but can I tell you something? It's like looking through an old phone book for somebody's name. You can do it, but why would you when you have your phone that you can just find a contact? Do you understand? It's like an old cell phone. Do you keep your old cell phone? No, you have a new one. I lost you on all that, didn't I? (laughs) Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and that means everything changes. Everything changes. And the way they respond, and we, okay, and you can take that down. And we look at this, and all of you are like, okay, that was good preaching. You did a lot of studying while you were gone. The tabernacle and the whole walkthrough thing. That's just, I just, I love me some Jesus. Mm. Mm. That's a little Pentecostal holdover from my, my childhood. Just a little like dodging gnats, right? Anyway. <laughs> I, love, I love Jesus. And we say that, but here's, here's the dilemma. Most of us say we love Jesus, but we live a life that actually witnesses and testifies of a completely different belief system. It's the same thing those people in the, Old, the New Testament that Jesus was talking to were doing. Here's Jesus in the whole new way, and he says, I am all of this, which we'll discuss. And they're still holding on to an old way. And what we do a lot of times is we change, okay, pull your toes in for a second. We change how we word what we believe based on the people we're sitting at a table with. And we'll say things to be able to stay in the conversation rather than understanding that Jesus taught a a way that sometimes you just need to say an earth-shattering statement. And so what a lot of people do is they follow, even in this room, watching online, they follow this thing called moralistic therapeutic deism. Fancy term, little theology for you today. Um, it's in your notes. It's all in there. But look, look at this. This is what this this is this belief structure. Here's five points. I'm just going to read through it. It's in your notes. Uh, God exists, who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Mm-hmm. God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Mm-hmm. Okay. The central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. Mm -hmm. God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. My kid goes off the wagon. I get sick. You know, whatever. Um, Good people go to heaven when they die. Okay? And and you might be sitting there and saying, okay, well, what's, what's wrong with that? You can believe this right here and sit at any political table. You can sit at any table with anybody and any belief system or whatever. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with it is there's no Jesus. There's no Savior. It's the one thing. You cannot have a belief structure without Jesus and call yourself a Christian. You can't do it. And we default to this, I think, a way too often because we want to, at the, at the risk of closing down a conversation, well, I'll bend here or I'll bend there. Stop bending. Amen. I don't bang a pulpit very often, but that was it. <laughs> don't bend. Jesus is everything. It is all about Jesus. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it shakes the belief structure of these people to the core. To the core. Okay, so in ancient times, bread was essential. 
Okay, Let, let's get back to bread here for a second. Bread, bread was essential. It's not like we have it now. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, how many of you, you probably won't answer. Let me ask you guys. Um, how many of you love bread? I, I mean like, oh, you're going to answer? Okay, you can play You can play along. I'll let you. How many love bread? I mean like, no, like, okay, hold on, hold on. I don't just mean like, okay, okay, okay. When you sit down to a meal and that bread comes first, Depending on the restaurant, rolls, whatever. Tell you what, for a long time, Red Lobster was like their biscuit roll thing. Bro, I just need a minute. Hold up, hold up, hold up. That was. Bread is, bread, bread's one of those things, isn't it? It just kind of gets in us and it's so good and yummy and it's, come on, I, look, I got y'all salivating. Y'all going to get some bread today, aren't you? Well, pastor talking about bread, it's good. Mm. Communion? No, he's talking about like a ciabatta roll. It's good. Mm. Love me some bread. That's the difference now and then. See, back then, bread was essential to life. It wasn't, we eat it now for taste, and, and there's so many different kinds. That's, not, that's just not how they lived. Back then, you need to understand something. Bread was essential, just like air and water. So when Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life, Jesus is saying, I am the essential thing to your life. You can't do life without me. And so let me show you three things about bread in our little time here that I think, I think will help us here with, explain what Jesus was saying. The first one is this, no bread, no life. No, no bread, no life. If you don't, during this time, if you don't have bread, there weren't a lot of options. No bread, no life. Okay, so Jesus, go back to his story real quick. So Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? And they're all excited, and they track him down, and they're like, some more, please, governor, more, more, more. I want more. And they, they stayed. Go back and read it. It's amazing. They stay where Jesus did the miracle, expecting him to repeat the miracle there. But he didn't repeat the miracle there. He left. So they track him down again. What are they tracking him down for? They're not tracking him down for a good theological statement or another day in church. They're tracking him down because they want free food. They want what Jesus produces. They don't want the one who produces it. They're more focused on what they can get out of Jesus rather than what they can learn or initiate in Jesus. Look, Look at this. So Jesus, they ask him again, you know, for bread. And, and just, just be clear here, Jesus, go home and read the chapter. Jesus has to repeat himself three times because these people are not getting it. That's why at this stage they were his, you know, you could tell that they were his disciples. They were disciples, right? Um, <laughs> Jesus replied, let me make this very clear. Just that phrase is very limited in the New Testament, okay? So it's almost like Jesus, I mean, he is, hey, you didn't listen to me the first time. You didn't listen to me the second time. I reworded it, said the same thing, said the same thing. And you can almost see him, like, just get down on their level. Hey, 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 sweetie. No, no, my eyes are up here, <laughs> sweetie. Let me, let, me, let, let, let me be very clear, because you're an idiot, okay? He didn't say the idiot part, okay? But he gets down on their level, and he's like, let me be 
like, I don't know how much more clear I can be, but let me be crystal clear and incredibly redundant. Jesus replied, let me make this very clear. You came looking for me because I fed you by a miracle, not because you believe in me. And I wonder how many of us fit this scripture, but we don't like it or want to admit it, but really the only reason you're even in church today is for what you can get out of it. I just, that's why there's so much church hopping. I, well, I wasn't fed here. Were you really not? Do you know how many amazing ministers there are in DeSoto County? They're fantastic. And so we just get our eyes on the wrong thing. I'm not asking you to leave at all. I love you. I'm just saying we fit the problem of focusing on the stuff rather than the savior of the world. It, it's not about what he does for you. We're really quick to give Jesus our sins, our depression, our anxiety, our hurts. But will you give him your successes? Will you give him your joys? Will you give him the things that you just feel like add life to you? Will you still give them to him and say, I trust you that much? Because you're everything, because without you, you are the bread of life. I have no life without you. And when Jesus is saying this, he is basically saying, it's me or it's nothing. You guys, how many here like, like Thanksgiving? Like how many is it your favorite, your favorite holiday? Of all the holidays, it's your favorite? A few of us, a few of us, a few of us, okay, okay. But you do know what Thanksgiving is, right? Okay, and we all do the same thing. We're in Mississippi, and so here's what we do in, in, for Thanksgiving. It's coming up. We cook more food than we could ever humanly eat. And then, no matter what it is, we just throw an extra stick of butter in there. It doesn't matter, what are you putting in there, Granny? More butter, honey, more butter. Well, sweetheart, that was three pounds. Just one more stick, it'll be good, be good. Drinking liquid butter, butter. And we, and we cook all this food, and we get this big giant plate of, come on, you know I'm, come on, look, just nod at me. You know I'm right. I'm making you so hungry today, talking about bread and food. Y'all gonna run out of here. And we, we fill our plate, you sit on the table, and you put all this stuff on there, and then, you know, Grandma has the melted butter, so you can pour it over the top. Okay, and so... I'm just kidding about that part. So you have this whole plate of food and it's all, and then you're sitting there and you get ready to eat, and they pass a basket of rolls, right? And you're like, I just don't know if I have room for a roll. And the person sitting next to you says, oh, honey, you've always got room for a roll. Just put more butter on it. It'll get soft and squishy. It'll fit into the crevices of your stomach lining and your colon and eventually your arteries. Lots of room. It's so, and so we're like, you're right, I need, I need, I need a, a, a roll. I need a roll. And so you, you push some food over a little bit, just, just enough room to just barely have that roll like hanging half on the plate. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And it falls off your plate. And you're like, oh, that's fine. And so it makes you eat it quicker. But you made room. You made room. And Jesus is saying, you are not allowed to just make room for me. And we push all of the things of our culture to the middle and we consume the good things that our country, our world has to offer. We consume good relationships. We consume all these things. And that's fabulous. But Jesus is saying, you can't just make me a part. You can't make room for me. I am the bread of life. I am the foundation. Are you getting this? 
there's something so valuable about Jesus Christ and we can't just add him to our life. He is not an addition, he is. Do you feel the weight of that? He's not an addition, he is. He is. And that's actually when you see people that don't really act like Christians, or, but they say they are because all they've done is make room for Jesus instead of making Jesus the I am. Here's the second thing about bread. You ready for another one? Bread is a life giver. A life giver. There are two Greek words for life, um, and the first one is pistuo, and it means to exist, and the second one is zoe, and it means to live, okay? So in John chapter 6, Jesus doesn't use, in John chapter 6, he doesn't ever use the word pistuo. He uses the word zoe. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, if you'll turn your life over to me, if you'll turn your existence over to me, I will give you life. Some people struggle, even right now, you're struggling with your existence. I just, I'm just existing. All I do is get up and go to work, or I get up and go to school, and I come home and I do this. And it's just like, you're just existing to pay bills, existing to get along, and maybe now and then you do something fun or exciting, but really you're just existing. And Jesus is saying, I didn't create you for you to exist. I came and created you to give you life, Zoe, life that will blow your mind. Look at how he says it in John chapter 6, verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Life, Zoe. Where does this life come from? Which the Son of Man will give you. He's saying you're looking, you're still looking for stuff that will perish. Just like that sacrifice that we talked about, the animal sacrifice that you had to do over and over and over again. Jesus is saying, you're still looking at temporary things and I'm standing here telling you there is something eternal that I am offering you. And it's life and it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. Okay, okay. So Jesus is not a side role. My man is the foundation. He ain't a side role. He's a, he is the foundation of everything. Here, and so the people come to Jesus. Get this. They come back again. You need to go read John 6. I'm telling you. It's the craziest story. They're like thick-headed folk. Okay? They come back, and Jesus says, hey, this is what you need. This is what you need to do. And they ask, how do we get that bread? Okay, if you're talking about this bread of life, how do we get, how do we get that? We want that. And Jesus has already told them. But he's going to tell them again because he's just really cool like that. Look at this. Verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Okay, so they can leave that up there, but let me just break this down here for a second. What they're really asking, and I, I know you can see this because you are smart people, what they're asking is, what do I have to do? What hoops do I have to jump through to get this bread of life? What, what, what do I have to do? How do I need to act? How do I need to dress? How much money do I need to give? What do I need to do to receive eternal life and that? I grew up um, Pentecostal. Mm, right? And in the lobby of our church, there was a banner with a list of rules. They were called the distinctives. And so it was literally how to dress, make sure you don't wear jewelry. Um, I see some of you with your hair fixed all nice. Can't do that. Basically, you got to look as ugly as possible, I think. Anyway, um, sorry, that just slipped out. My bad. Um, but it was all these rules. And the funny thing is, 
when they ask Jesus what rules do I need to follow, look at what he says. Let's, let's go back to Jesus. What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe. To believe. To believe in the one who has sent, who he has sent. Just, just, just believe. But we get so quick to do, have the actions before the belief. You can't do that. Listen, we all know that you are going to start acting like whoever you're hanging out with, right? I mean, come on, just nod at me. You're going to start acting like, even though your teenagers say it ain't true, we all know it's true. You're going to start acting like whoever you're hanging out with. So how about you just start believing in Jesus and then hanging out with Jesus, and then you'll start acting like Jesus. But you're not going to act like Jesus if you never hang out with him, and you have to believe that he exists and that he is before you can ex hang out with him. Are you, are you tracking with me? So how about we all just back up a little bit, and let's not throw judgmental stones at people that might not be acting like you. Do you believe? Do you believe? And in just a minute, I'll give you an opportunity to do that, to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him. <laughs> what? These people crack me up, man. The more I read this story, the more I was just like, oh my Lord, Jesus, thank you for not just like killing all of them. What was their sin? Stupidity. Okay. Um, what's, uh, you got to believe, Okay. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What are you going to do? 24 hours ago, he just created bread out of thin air. Oh, I forgot. You guys, okay. 24 hours ago, he just created bread out of thin air. And they're asking, now what are you going to do? And she's like, bro, where were you yesterday? Where were you yesterday? See, because we get in the habit of always seeking God for what he can do for us rather than just seeking God because he loves us. And we go from miracle to miracle. And you can fill in the blank. The crowd was still looking at the do instead of the who. Still looking at the do. Let me ask you something. And this is a tough question, and odds are we probably won't answer it very honestly. But what if, starting today, Jesus never did another thing for you? What if Jesus never answered another prayer, which he will, I'm, but y'all just track with me for a second. What if he never answered another, another prayer? What if he never did anything else for you? What if there was never any other action towards you? Would you still believe him? Would you still follow him? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I honestly cannot imagine life without Jesus Christ. I, I, I just can't. Have I lost things? Yes. Um, ha, has there been things gone wrong? Yeah, of course. And I mean, we all have different stories. Some of you have gone through way more than me. And, you know, this is not a contest on whose life has more issues, right? I, I didn't share this story first, service, but I want to share it. There's a couple here at the church that continue to impress me. 
Um, and I'm just going to give you some quick little highlights. In the last 10 months, they have lost, it's a couple, they've been married for a while. Um, they have lost both set, this 10 months, both sets of their parents have passed. Okay. Transmission went out on the car. Another transmission went out on the car. The refrigerator quit. While I was talking to him, the awning literally fell off his house. And, I, and that's just this, like, there's way more. And he said this, he says, uh, you know, can't get focused on all these temporary things. Aren't you glad Jesus is still on the throne? When you realize that no matter what happens in this life to us, it is all temporary. Jesus is the eternal. You say, well, I lost this person, this loved one. I lost a child. And those are all those are horrible. I mean, they are genuinely horrible things. There's nothing good I can say about them. I mean, that's just horrible. But can I tell you something? Aren't you glad we're headed to the Holy of Holies where we are together again because Jesus did everything for us? It's not over. It has just begun. And I see people bailing on Christianity and Jesus when bad things happen, right? When, when all of a sudden you have a spiritual or emotional malnutrition where things just don't go right and you find yourself People, they just give up so quick. Something goes wrong and they get a little things out spiritually or emotionally and they find themselves clamoring and, and competing underneath the table, competing for little morsels of blessings and trying to get out little things. You were never created to sit under the table. You were created to sit at the table of bread with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, eating because he is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. He is everything. And I want to give you a chance today to meet him. And we'll be honest with you. I think some of you will meet him right now for the very first time. I think some of you have just had the roll on the side of your plate for a way too long. And you're wondering why you're loving Jesus, attending church, and doing all these things, jumping through all these hoops. But you haven't, you've made room for Jesus, but you have not made Jesus your Savior. And that's why you're struggling, you're, you're just existing. I'm just gonna be real honest. You're, you're just existing and you haven't experienced life in Christ. How can I stay joyful when the crap hits the fan? Boy, I almost cussed right there. When, when the crap hits the fan? Because I know that crap will hit the fan daily. But I am in relationship with the one who owns the fan, owns the plug that the fan's plugged into, he owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills that are creating the crap in the fan. <laughs> That's funny. I know, I take rabbit trails. Anyway, focusing on the right thing will keep you focused. And I want to give some of you an opportunity to meet him for the very first time, and then I want some of you, I feel like some of you are going to make a decision to finally, for the first time, clear your plate and say, okay, Jesus. You get my sins, my sorrows, my disappointments. You get my joys. You get my, my celebrations. You get everything. You get my kids. I'm going to trust you with my kids for the very first time because I've been trying to control them and manipulate them for way too long, and that's not working. I give them to you. Will you pray with me? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we love you so much, so much. Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you that you are the bread of life. 
You are the Son of God, and you are the one that pulls all of us together. And so, Father, we join in you today. You're here this morning, head bowed, eyes closed, not going to call you up front, not going to have you stand up, nothing like that. Just right where you are, whether it's going to be starting a relationship with Jesus Christ for the very first time or making him everything, not just a part of your life. This is it right here. If that's you, I want to pray with you right where you are, and I, I am excited to see what Jesus is going to do in your life. If that's you, right where you are, come on, raise your hand up. Come on, put it up. Come on. I'm waiting because I know there's more than that. I'm just going to be real bold here. There's way more than that, and you need to raise your hand up. You need to finally make a decision for something that's going to change your life for the good. Stop existing and start living. This is it. One. Hold them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Father, I thank you for these 27 people. And Lord, your word is the most powerful thing. Your word. And so Lord, right now, your word says, it's plain and simple, if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe within our heart that he was raised from the dead, we shall be saved. And so, Father, as they believe and as they confess that they are a follower of you, they're no longer only consuming the things of culture because now they are consuming the bread of life. So, Father, I ask that that life overwhelm them today. All day, Lord, let their emotions be crazy, screwy, good, because it, they're, they're experiencing Zoe life for the very first time. Forgive them of their sins. Move into their hearts. Move into their lives. And, Father, those that are doing, getting, meeting you for the very first time, blow their minds with your goodness and your grace. Those that are no longer making room for you, but now they have made you the room. Father, let them see the difference. Let them see. We love you, Lord. You're awesome. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for hanging out today. You are awesome, awesome. Stand with me, if you will. And while you're standing, let me just say, if you were one of those 27 people, listen, especially if you're the ones that are no longer making room, there is a book down here. It's free. It's called Fresh Start. It will, let me make this clear. Let me make this very clear. It will give you next steps for your spiritual journey. You need to get it and you need to read it. I know you're hooked on phonics, so read it, okay? It's super easy. Start walking, let's start walking the walk. What do you say, guys? What do you say? And then also, if you need prayer for anything, there's people down front that would love to pray with you and connect with you. And if you're a follower of Christ, there's communion elements down front on both sides. All right, let's pray the benediction. Heavenly Father, right now, we just ask that the words of our mouth, the meditations in our heart, Lord, they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, love y'all.